You're with SBS Radio. Find more great stories in your language at sbs.com.au. I'm joined today by Gunajamara man Jason Mifsud, who for the past 18 months, along with other Victorian Aboriginal leaders and the Victorian State Government, has contributed to the recently launched Victorian Aboriginal and Local Government Strategy 2021-2026. Jason, thanks for speaking with me today. Thanks, Charles. Good to catch up. Jason, give us a bit of an elevator pitch about the strategy. and We're talking about 30-second. What's your pitch on this document? Well, it's really a grassroots roadmap between the 79 local governments across Victoria and the traditional owner groups and other Aboriginal community members. So it's a roadmap to for local aspiration, local endeavour and local relationships. We'll get into some of the, the meat and potatoes of the document a little bit later on, but if we're talking about self-determination, then obviously we're talking about political freedoms, political self-determination, yet there's very little within that document itself that talks to the issue of electing Aboriginal people as councillors within local governments. I mean, right now we've only got two of them. We've got Greg James in Shepparton and Ashla Vandenberg in Melton. So what would you say to those critics who might point out, well, there's not enough about let's elect our people and how do we go about electing people? It's a great question and one of the really... So what, what you'll see throughout the document is a set of guidelines and principles for each local government traditional owner group and other Aboriginal organisations to inform their own aspiration. So what we heard through the consultation process with the Aboriginal community is don't tell us what we have to do. Don't, don't give us a programming response to another government document. Let us determine what our measures of success are in our own local regions. So very quickly we went away from here's a, things that, here's a list of things that you should do to have a better relationship, to have better regional prosperity, to have more Aboriginal values and knowledges built into the role of local government. Really quickly we heard that strongly. And what it did is, which, which is why I think the document is quite unique and forward-facing, it's letting local communities determine what their measures of success are in their own way, shape, time and form. So some people have said, well, you know, you sh- maybe you should have had in there that um, libraries should have a language wall. Mm. Well, local communities can determine that. Or maybe you should have in there that all babies born on country, black and white, should be given a welcome to country kit through maternal and child health services. Local communities can determine that. And some people have said, why, don't, why didn't you p- determine or legislate or drive greater representation of Aboriginal people in local governments, local communities can do that. So it's not a document that's telling people what to do. It's a document that's giving people both Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal, in a governance sense, the rules of how to develop the relationship for them to then determine what success would look like. Because as we know, that'll look quite distinctly different right across the state because the mob down in Gippsland mightn't give a rat's about having local mob on the local council, they their priority might be other things in the community. Sure. So that's a bit of the philosophical difference that this document at least attempts to work towards. And that's one of the interesting, I think, aspects of the document, that it's not overly prescriptive. And I noticed that in the document it states that it's not intended to replace reconciliation plans or other Aboriginal action plans. Rather, and I quote... 
It says, helping councils cross-check, progress and evolve existing plans and RAPs, Reconciliation Action Plans. What would you say, though, to councils and communities that might see the adoption of this strategy as a more appropriate document or approach than a RAP or a, an otherwise prescribed action plan? Once again, it's a good question. So this, doc- this document wasn't designed to replace all other documents. So when you start to go this, through the legislative frameworks of local government and state government, as you could appreciate, there are numerous overlays. You know, there's na- native title overlay, there's traditional line of settlement agreement overlay, there's registered Aboriginal party overlay, there's boundary overlays between the role of a traditional owner group based on cultural boundaries versus an ACO, et cetera, et cetera. And then you've got all the local government overlays. So this document wasn't designed to be an overarching strategy that fixes all the mistakes of those other documents. It was designed to be a complementary document that was specific for local governments and Aboriginal communities, however they're defined in any of those particular But could you see it as a legitimate replacement for some communities that may want a less prescriptive approach and guideline because, as you said, the mob down in East Gippsland are going to want something different to maybe your mob out in the West in the Gudijamara country. This is a non-prescriptive guideline and strategy. Which, which when we co-designed the principles and the philosophy behind the document, that was just furious agreement between local governments separately. So we ran processes for local government so 90% of local governments were engaged in this process and, and numerous CEOs at the highest level of local governments and all traditional owner groups and numerous ACOs. So it's a very intensive and extensive process and separate but furious agreement around don't give us prescriptiveness. Give us some rules, give us some guidelines, give us some forward-facing um, principles that allow us to work together to design that together. So it's, it's good to hear that that's how you've read it because that was the intent. And for a lot of the Aboriginal community at least and increasingly local governments, it's asking them to think quite distinctly different about the relationships they have at a local level. Moving away from the traditional programming relationship, mm. we have a program and we have a grant and we want to do this through to getting people in the room having conversations and designing the futures that they want to bring about regional prosperity, how they think it should be brought about. So everything you've said is absolutely consistent with what we heard through the consultation phase. And pleasingly, which doesn't always happen, when it went through the state government department or departments, it remained true to those principles. And I think there's a lot of enjoyment that um, what the communities had told us they've actually seen played back to them in the strategy. One of the challenges that I identified in reading the document, and it's quite a comprehensive 80-page document, is that there are seven key pillars, including economic, health, and others that we may expect. But in each of those seven pillars, there are three key stages, and that is understand, embrace, and embed And it's quite interesting as you read down that first column in the understanding that there's an enormous requirement for local governments and communities and indeed the state government, because this does not preclude the state government's involvement in the strategy, to understand 
the truth of what has happened in this country over the past several hundred years. Let's be realistic. There are a lot of rednecks out there in local government and there seem to be more local more rednecks out there in local government than in state and federal and that's saying a hell of a lot how do the communities work with local governments when they're facing this ignorance and almost a desire to remain ignorant yeah it's a really interesting point i must say during the process charles that that certainly wasn't the sentiment that came through the consultation process with local governments the ignorance and naivety and apprehension was a stronger factor in terms of, well, if we wanted to do, how do we do it? How do we not do the wrong thing? How do we not say the wrong thing? Which sometimes can be a crutch. And, you know, when you've been around the game for a while, you get a sense of that. If you don't hear it, you can sense it. Mm. I must say, as an Aboriginal person, I've got a really strong optimism. That's That wasn't the prevailing sentiment that came through the consultations. But I'm also experienced enough to know that that will be a reality in particular councils and particular regions so you can be both right and both wrong on that sort of point i think the design of understand embrace in bed was very deliberate because what we wanted to do is have aboriginal communities and or local governments determine in their own way and ideally together where are we on that scale yeah you know and if we're only at the understand stage let's invest the time to minimize the lack of understanding now, whether that's around historical injustices or whether that's around day-to-day issues that are still prevalent today in, in particular regions. So that's sort of how the, that's how the paper was designed and the, the thinking behind that was consistent with the principle of not being prescriptive and allowing local communities and local regions to determine where they are on that scale in their own right. If you think about relationships, mine and yours, yeah. our own families, our own communities – or cross communities, if you can't even agree where you are in your relationship, the rest is pointless. So it's been designed to actually hopefully assist the agreement on where are we on this relationship matrix. And some communities and regions, pleasingly, will be up to the embed stage. There will be, on particular projects, not in totality, They'll be, let's embed those principles and values in everything we do in local government. Interestingly, it'll probably be those organisations or local governments that have already got an action plan or a wrap in place. That's right. They've already been an investor in the relationship or the programming. Now, there's actually a substantial requirement on the part of the Victorian state government, as I alluded to before, to contribute to the success of this strategy. There's the funding or facilitating of forums, there's the provision of training for Aboriginal organisations to gain skills developments, and mentoring and networking programs, and the list really does go on, it's quite extensive. What sort of commitment did the steering committee receive from the state government on this? Great question. So the steering committee is a part of the Victorian Aboriginal Economic Council. So we're a subcommittee of that council. And in the broader objective of the council is around the identification of future budget bids to resource not only this particular plan, but mm. a whole range of initiatives that that council driving, particularly around economic participation you know, amongst, the, amongst our communities. Uh, there is a commitment to develop a budget against the plan. That's still a work in progress. The committee are um, pretty dogmatic about holding the department to account. And the, you know, from the secretary down, there's a very strong verbal commitment. Our job as the committee and the council more broadly 
is to advocate fiercely to ensure that the resourcing is adequate, um, but the resourcing is also equally distributed to not only the local governments, but the Aboriginal communities in this strategy. Now, that's to stand the test of time, but that's sort of the next iteration of this plan. And certainly we will be keeping track of progress uh, within the state government and across local governments in Victoria on this. Jason Mifsud, thanks for joining us here today. Thanks, Charles. Want to hear more stories like this? Listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.